Welcome to the Making After School Cool podcast, the link between research, practice, and theory for those interested in the activities youth are involved with during non-school hours. The Making After School Cool podcast is produced by Case for Kids, the division of Harris County Department of Education, and I'm your host, Mike Wilson. Research indicates that the ability to stick with things, even during tough times, is a necessary practice to overcome failure and is an essential component of achievement. In her book, Grit, the Power of Passion and Perseverance, Angela Duckworth has found that grit is what separates those who are successful from those who fail. Talent alone is not always what makes individuals succeed. People seldom achieve their goals without effort. Yet, how do you ensure students have the necessary tools which encourages stick to itness and grit? Is this quality something that can be taught in schools and or at home? The good news is that grit can be developed and mastered over time. So this is part one of a two-part series of episodes featuring my discussion with my guests, Julie Gabar and Michelle Pena with Kid Grit. And we will discuss the importance of students being resilient and having grit. Julia is an award-winning educator and national speaker. She is the co-founder of Kid Grit. Kid Grit supports students PK to 12 with curriculum and workshops and supports educators with evidence-based professional development and coaching. Michelle's professional career launched as a middle school teacher and quickly evolved into administrative roles. Her experience includes professional development coordinator, program evaluator, federal grant director, and out-of-school time program director for school districts. She has over 15 years of experience in leading and starting up self-funded OST programs for school districts and 25 years in education management. More recently, Michelle has worked as a consultant with out-of-school time organizations, technology companies, and various nonprofits in the area of business development, strategic and sustainability planning, professional development, and curricular design and grant writing. So I'm excited to have both Julia and Michelle as my guests on the Making F School Cool podcast. How are you ladies doing today? Doing really well. So happy to be here with you today. So let's start off with what would you say inspired you to want to provide resources and training designed to empower students and educators? I love that question. Thank you so much for asking because a lot of people don't ask the question that way. When we designed our um, professional development, we really wanted to give respect to the educator. We wanted them to sit in a room and get what they deserve rather than sit in a room and watch a bunch of slides. We wanted to inspire them. We uh, wanted them to receive content that really connected to them that they could use as soon as they walk out the door that was relevant, that it was timely. And really, again, like filling them with new ideas and tools and strategies that mattered and was respectful and not kind of a mandatory training. They all walk in the first time. 
and they go, oh, God, I'm going to sit through this training again. And we thought we're going to really change the way that they think about professional development. And when they see a kid grit training come up, they're going to go, oh, I want to go to that one because, you know, I could use what they give me. So we just really wanted to provide content and an experience that was respectful to them. And really and truly, we, you know, when we talk about grit, it's, it's basically creating an environment that promotes being positive um, and having you know, a positive outlook. So I think the way you just stated, this is one of the reasons we wanted to, to design this, this program and have the training. Like you can't do it no other way. Hopefully people do look forward to going to it. And that way, you know, you can have post, a positive outcome on both sides. I think that's true. Um, I don't think that enough trainers come in with ideas that are thinking of elevating the craft of whatever a student is learning or how they're delivering the information, right? So if you think you can't just become an inspiring trainer, you have to really think about how you're going to shift the thinking of the participant so that they feel like, oh, I'm adding this into my toolbox. Um, so I, I completely agree. Thanks for saying that. In your own words, how would you define grit and why is it important for youth to have it? Thank you for asking, because yes, it means a lot to different people. And for me, it's being able to navigate um, whatever life throws at you. Um, there's always something that's going to be in our in our path through life. Um, you know, the moment that, you know, we're, we're here. And if we're not given those tools, those assets, that guidance, from an early age, it can be a detriment. Um, and so it's making sure that the young people um, that we work with um, have that ability to navigate and understand that it is just a moment in time and you can work through it. And there are supports um, that enable that to happen. And, um, you know, I was fortunate to have that environment growing up and, you know, it's helped me get through a lot of things in my life and you know it's making sure that everybody has that that capacity to work through um the highs and lows of life and i think that grit is an interesting word um especially to people who don't understand it from an educational standpoint a lot of um, organizations or schools will contact us and say hey our theme is grit this year can you guys give us some grit <laughs> and we're and we kind of go mm, well yes but no uh, <laughs> you don't just get grit right like there are a series of uh, philosophies and teachings that help young people. Uh, if, for instance, you don't come from that background like Michelle's, where she had it instilled from a childhood family environment, where you have to work with young people and explain that grit comes from resilience. Grit comes from hard work. Grit comes from failure. Right. If we can give students the opportunity to fail without consequences and they understand that that's a part of learning. Right. We say uh, failing forward. 
then their endurance and their stamina and their confidence, whether it has to do with sports, which is a, an easy way to understand grit, right? If a soccer player gets tackled and they get up really quickly and they start to play again, you know, well, that's a tough kid, right? They have grit, right? And it's the same thing teaching those skills in academics or personal relationships that when things go wrong, that there's an opportunity for learning. And that really has to do with grit. And the more that we come together as adults to share a common practice of helping young people in failure build confidence, you can develop grit and resilience um, through that process. You know, it's interesting because I um, actually, it was yesterday, had a discussion with some, some friends and we were talking about how over the generations, um, certain institutions seem to be designed to teach, we'll call it character ed. You had the church, which was really big in the communities. You had the home, which was really big in you know communities. And then the school was separate. Well, now that's not necessarily the same. So some students, you know, like Michelle stated, her background, her family, she has the support and the encouragement. Uh, to continue to try. Well, you got some households that don't know that, you know, or they don't even know any of the skills. And we'll talk a little bit about some of the things you guys offer to offset that. And so a lot of stuff is being dumped on the schools, but a lot of educators are educators, you know, they're not social workers and our counselors. Uh, and even they may have grit, but they don't necessarily know how to teach it. Or even recognize when other, you know, young people don't possess some of those skills. So I applaud you for the work you're doing. I applaud you for the uh, the resources that you are making available, and that sort of helps offset the the uh, inequalities, I guess you would say, that some kids get things from their their home, and then others bring what they got at their home <laughs> home with them. Uh, and that brings me to my next question. Actually, can you describe what is Kid Grit? When was it developed and its purpose and target group? I have a partner on the East Coast in New Jersey, um, and his name is Jeffrey Jordan. And Jeffrey and I grew up in a different decade, a few generations back. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> right? And... Um, and so um, both of us have been working in the youth space separately for many years. We actually grew up in uh, the same neighborhood going to competitive schools. We have many, many same friends, but we never really knew each other. We connected through social media on Facebook about seven years ago. Um, and I was actually in a kind of low part of my own life, really battling some you know, professional issues, some personal issues. And I was watching him conduct these really happy comments with a group of people those groups and you and people were chiming in about their health and their wellness and their mental capacity so i wrote to him i said what are you doing and he said oh i'm a certified holistic wellness coach right now and i thought "Ooh, what is that and he explained that he works with a kind of holistic approach to mental wellness and physical being and spirituality and I'm not a particularly spiritual person, but it sounded interesting. So he started coaching me and somewhere in like the sixth session, he said, man, I know you're not happy with your professional life right now, but your work inspires me. I wish I was still working with kids. And I said, hey, I said, why don't you just take your holistic wellness you know, program and make it a kid's program? And he said, wow. 
I, I love that idea, but I don't really write curriculum. And I said, oh, I write curriculum and I'm a youth development specialist. What if we took the best of both of us and put it into a program that we could offer for everyone because now we're like wise old owls. And based on our similar past, both Jeffrey and I were raised in uh, divorced homes, raised by mostly one parent. And one of our parents had a substance abuse issue. Um, so we were really, we really raised ourselves, um, in, in a time in New York city on lower Manhattan and the streets of New York were not a safe place. And we found our own organic natural grit. So the combination of our personal experiences, our life experiences, um, and also our content knowledge, um, and now like certifications and, you know, um, diplomas, all that kind of stuff and experience together comes kid grit. So we arrived at creating a kind of holistic experience in health and wellness and also social emotional learning. We added digital and social media consciousness because we think that kids, um, the attraction to digital and social media worlds is kind of like a topic like sex or drugs. When you teach in health education, you have to know when to do it, who to do it with, how much you're doing it, because it can be very dangerous. Um, so we added that into our curriculum and then, um, and then we added in another piece, uh, that we thought in our research was missing from social emotional learning, which was the bridge to workforce readiness, college and career workforce, uh, work, um, which is an action project, like a culminating event at the end of our program where kids have to showcase what they learned about themselves, who they are, what their voice is based on the topics in the curriculum and that was the foundational curriculum that we wrote and that was in 2016 2017 um, it took us a year to write it and then uh, we made some pretty strong stances about professional development and releasing this program that we would never release a curriculum without a training to ensure fidelity and that teachers were, again, back to the, the question in the beginning, inspired when they left feeling like, wow, I have these tools. Wow, it doesn't have to interrupt my day. Oh, I understand how to build relationships using these tools so that learning becomes easier for me to teach in the classroom or after school program. Okay. So I know I just said a lot. <laughs> no, that, that, that's awesome. Thank you for sharing. Uh, now I know you both come from educational backgrounds and um, just reading some stuff on you, both of your parents actually um, worked in the educational field. So prior to working with Kid Grit, did either of you notice something missing in the learning environment regarding how we implement SEL and mindfulness practices in schools? Hmm. Yes, <laughs> I would say pretty early on um, when I became that first year official teacher, because I had worked in after school programs while I was in college, um, did some things with the library system and, you know, substitute teacher, et cetera. So, so saw a lot of things going on in my pre-professional career. But when I really got into the classroom, you know, I looked around at other teachers um, and what they were doing. And I was like, okay, you're just giving the kids work. You're not engaging with them. You're not 
talking to them. Like it was, it was, it was just mind boggling um, to me that at that time and place that there weren't relationships being established. It was just come in, sit down, do your work. And for me, it was, no, I want to know these kids. I want to know, you know, what, why they're smiling, you know, why are they having a bad day and just creating in my own classroom at the time of a space where they could feel comfortable and, and open up and, and, and learn and have that experience. And it's, you know, I would see their demeanor change when they would, you know, leave another classroom and come to mine or leave my classroom and reluctantly go to the next one. And, um, yeah, so it was just really taken aback as a young teacher. And I think that just, you know, made me more aware of what I needed to provide to my students and support them and be there for them. And then as I, you know, moved out of the classroom and and into other other roles in education, you know, just really making sure that when I moved into the professional development aspect of, you know, what are the things that are needed for effective engaging professional development, you know, for adult learners. I was moving into from, you know, children into adult learning and keeping in mind that we're still, we're, we're lifelong learners. And the way we know we develop tools and mechanisms to, you know, ensure our own learning, but sometimes we need to, you know, help others. And, and, you know, again, keeping in mind all the different learning styles, all the different modalities, um, diversifying how we do things. And I think that's one thing that I really enjoyed about Kid Grit and being part of it was the experience and what I took away from it at the in the beginning, the beginning of it, um, and being able to, you know, expand and, and contribute my own kind of flavor for training and professional development um, to make it that great experience that Julia alluded to earlier. I love um, what Michelle said really about building relationships and observing how vital that is for learning. I think that there's an old school kind of conception of what teaching and learning looks like. And especially, you know, Mike, when you talked about, you know, in the church, we work with character education and, and in the schools we work with um we work with teaching and learning only in academics, I think that there's a real gap. And I think that we're in a place right now where we're really struggling across this nation about that we have learned through research um, that, um, oh, what do I want to say? Um, there's a mentor of mine. He's a silent mentor. I read his books. I've met him a couple of times named Pedro Noguera, who is a kind of urban master of, you know, consultant and the head of the USC Rossier School of Education, who I saw him speak at a conference once about 10 years ago. And he said, hungry kids don't learn well. And while for some of us, we know that we got to feed our kids in order for them to eat, like it's kind of natural. There are a lot of educators who walk into the classroom that are not contemplating what else is happening outside of before they walk into school or when they go home at night. And while people think, oh, that's not what I went to college for and I'm not a social worker, I don't, it's not my responsibility. You can't break through those barriers if that kid is sitting slumped over in his chair or her chair, not able to 
look at a math problem and comfortably have fun learning doing it if they're hungry or there are other circumstances going on outside of the classroom. And I think that um, that is not universal in our education system when we're credentialing teachers, that not everybody has that practice to teach an educator. So they're not prepared, it's not their fault, or they have a misunderstanding about what SEL, social emotional learning, or mindfulness can do to enhance the learning, right? That get that stuff out of the way so that we can get to the lesson. And it has to be addressed in order for them to be effective teachers. So I, I think that that there is a there's a kind of systemic problem in the way that we're educating our educators that there's some misbeliefs about social emotional learning and also there are some value core value um old school beliefs that need to be you know re-educated so that we can again kind of i say open the doors to learning take those blinders off now each generation of students face unique challenges i would say we're probably all members of the same generation uh, but for this current generation, issues such as COVID, social justice, access to social media and technology has influenced their expectations towards immediate gratification. So how do we as parents, educators, mentors, people working with young people, how do we teach students patience and to continually work towards their goals? Yeah, um, that's such a good question. and. Um, I, I'll, I'll say Julia personally believes that social media is predominantly um, responsible for this instant gratification behavior that is worldwide and even with many adults now. Um, our, we're multitasking, we're, um, we don't have great focus all the time. I feel guilty of it myself as well. Um, so um, I think the message for educators and parents are a few things. I think that patience and flexibility um, are really, really important because while we may not agree with what's happening with technology um, and um, other things that are going on, the students, our young people are, I want to say, ingesting this information differently than we do. And they will, they are multitaskers and they, um, they live a different kind of way in a in a really like oh, there's been a real shift from our generation for those listeners if you need to know we were i was born in the 70s <laughs> so um right so i you know i have five decades to reflect on and something in the last 15 years has really shifted the way that our young people are behaving and this instant gratification thing and there are also um kind of additives there are positives to the way that they can function and we have to catch up right as future employers or managers there are things that we're going to have to negotiate whether we like it or not because they are going to be the future leaders and they can do things differently than us and there's a learning gap and we have to come together you know as mature sophisticated intellectual folks and realize young people for their talents and skills and not superimpose you know, our ideas about how they are functioning, learning and living. At the same time, we have to be strong and fight for values and fight for our kids to calm down. And we have to share practices that help them balance. 
where they can read a book and we have to fight in those moments at home where they want to get on a game or play on their phone and say, yes, you can, but let's do that after we do this, right? Like there's a balance. And so the flexibility and patience is going to be very important because that's not going away. Um, but we do want to help them self-regulate and make good choices. And the way to get there, I think, is through conversation, dialogue, and a lot of patience. Michelle, you have and, anything to add? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think it's, um, you know, there was the three aspects of, of, uh, of living, you know, it's the home, it's the community, and then um, school. And then there's always, and that's three right there. And I think community is that third space. And that's a term that's been used in some research and writing. You know, there's a space in between home and um, school that has a lot of influence and a lot of impact on kids and, and how they grow up. And you think about, you know, in in the past, you know, in the smaller communities, in the, you know, when we weren't so global, um, you know, you had a network, you had a family, you had a village that was helping raise, you know, the, the younger people in, in, in our communities. And we don't really live that way anymore. And we have to now be intentional in making sure that, you know, those that are influencing the kids, which are us, the adults, whether it's in the home, in the third space, or in the school, that we're modeling, like we're being reflective and we're taking a step back and what are our habits and what are our values and what are our beliefs? And is this what we want our kids to, to take away from us? And, you know, it's, you know, looking in the mirror, you know, what do we see and yeah. looking at what do we see out in the world? What's going on in, in our community? What's going on in our city? What's going on in our country? society as a whole. And if we don't like it, then we should probably be reflective and think about how am I contributing mm -hmm. to that? Mm -hmm. And if I am contributing to it, then what do I need to change? Maybe after school, cool. I hope you enjoyed the first part of this two-part series of episodes featuring my discussion with my guests, Julia Gabor and Michelle Pena with Kid Grit, as we talked about the importance of students being resilient and having grit. Please join us for part two of this series as we continue to explore issues relevant to the out-of-school time field.